0: My name's Brandon, and if you're anything like me, you love a sassy son of a bitch who likes to shake things up. This is Get Into the Groove, the podcast where we find a groove and we get into it. And here with me, as always, she's here to hex your ex. It's Jeannie. Nice. How are you?
1: I'm doing all right.
0: Okay. I have a question for you. Okay. Since this is our last episode of the collection of the season, um, I want to know what your favorite, what, what was your most interesting album that we listened to? for you, like surprising. That's a, great, that's a great question. I think it is. And if you can do your best Bob Dylan impersonation, bonus <laughs> points.
1: Oh. Mm. <laughs> They've. Mm. I feel like the one that I was most interested in. I love the Prince album. That oh. was a journey for me. I love the Prince album. Yes, I also really liked Marvin Gaye, just because I wasn't familiar. It's beautiful album. I was
2: genuinely. I did not expect you to say the the Prince album. I wasn't sure if anybody was going to say that. That
3: was Jay's idea. It was what? Was it? I, I don't it was, think no. it, was it was my idea. idea. It, was my, it, was my it was your idea. idea. Okay. Yeah. No, oh, yours is Black Star.
0: That's right. Yeah, that that was mine, honestly. <laughs> Black Star, because just the content and the the cult rabbit hole that. I went down.
1: I can see that.
0: Very interesting. I loved it. Yeah, so Prince. Yeah, yeah probably Prince. Prince. A good selection, surprisingly.
3: All right. It was and also
0: life. here with us, with Jeannie and myself, she better fix her face. It's Melissa. Mm. Hi. Hello. Same question to you. What was the most interesting album? One that was sort of surprising. Like you you thought you were going to be whelmed, but then you were overwhelmed.
3: Oh, so I had to like it. <laughs> you said interesting. Um,
2: well, no, you don't have to interesting. like it. I'd love to hear what was most interesting to you. Most interesting. Let's do yeah.
3: I think I was most surprised of at how much I disliked Pet Sounds. Ah, I think because I've always yeah. because I've never actually like in my lifetime, as far as I can think of, can't think of hearing a Beach Boys song that I didn't necessarily like in some way. And so I, I, I think I expected to like that more than I did. Okay. And I disliked it so much <laughs> that it kind of just—I don't know—it made so me question my love for Brian Wilson in the first place. Can and I—it's I very you, interesting. Uh,
2: was it primarily like the the lyricism that got to you? Because I think you mentioned the songs were all whiny, and I don't know if it's just the lyricism or if it's also his voice too because i mean there's some pretty whiny sound in vocals it in was
3: literally like someone <laughs> brought together the five whiniest people in the room <laughs> and said write a song <laughs> like it was the music was whiny the lyrics were whiny his voice was whiny <sighs> mm. everything was just like I and maybe because i'm not so i'm personally too. not in a whiny like yeah. brooding place in my life right now that it's irritating like the whole album just irritated me more than it kind of just felt like i was listening to a 16 year old kid talk
2: i listened to that when i was like 19 years
3: old yeah and And, and maybe maybe it would have hit me differently like i said i I think i remember talking about it during during the episode that i had to kind of take myself back to his age when he wrote that album to think of where i was to get where he was coming from so I think if I had heard that earlier, I might have hit me a little bit different. But I think just where I am right now, I'm just so like, Boy, <laughs> I can't I think, deal with it. I,
2: I think that's such a crying shame. I love that album.
3: I, I was just surprised. I was just very surprised. Well, it was interesting like, to just, me how much. I your
2: answer. I thought that was really good. Because yeah. it made me
3: do more research into it because I was like, why do I hate this? So much? <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't understand why this sucks for me. Well. And my mom is a Beach Boys fan and we were just sitting there like staring at each other going, what is this? And that surprised me too.
2: Maybe maybe that's what it is because that is a, we're getting way far off. Sorry, yes. But that is a very non-traditional Beach Boys Mm -hmm. album. So maybe that's what it is. You're kind of used to the more normal sounding Beach Boys.
3: And I'm usually all here for, you know, going off the rails once in a while, do it, whatever. I just wasn't ready for how much I didn't like it.
2: Man, that's a shame. Anyway,
3: so that was the most interesting one to me as far as this season goes. Yeah, but my favorite, of course, I do my love that answer.
2: I thought that was a good answer, of course.
0: All right, and of course, here with us, insert introduction here. It's
2: Colton Cox. Hello, hi. How you doing? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I'm excited about this episode, but I'm I'm biased. So, <laughs> well, what was your
0: most interesting album listen Man. for us for this? And this
2: is so. I feel like I, except for Sign of the Times, I have listened to pretty much all of these before. Um, I think I enjoy talking about uh, David Bowie the most. I loved it, And that's not even my favorite Bowie album, um, Black Star, but I think it's just, you can talk about so much stuff with David Bowie. So, Colton, you've brought to us this
0: time another album. Um, Not necessarily for the music, but Mm. for what is going
2: on on the album. Can you explain a little bit what we're listening to? I certainly can. Okay, so this uh, album I picked is a live Bob Dylan album from 1966. Very important year for Bob Dylan. Uh, He had like two really landmark releases for him, Highway 61 Revisited and Bringing It All Back Home. Which both came out in 1965, which for music history fans is like a massive year in music for all sorts of different genres, uh, but especially rock and roll. But anyway, um, so he goes on this tour um, in 1966, and it is his first tour that he's done where he started playing with a uh, electric band. Um, so you know, electric guitars and bass and drums and the whole nine yards.
0: So in this recording, we hear the first few tracks. He's doing he's playing solo. He's doing it acoustic.
2: Yes. So this, this particular tour, the whole setup for the show was he would go play by himself like traditional Bob Dylan, uh, but often not. He kind of had stopped playing the protest songs that he'd become famous for. Uh, and then the second half, he would come back with the band. Costume change included. Yes, costume
0: change included. So we're going to skip right over the first few tracks and go into Tell Me Mama, because that's when the band is introduced. Yeah. Because the first few tracks, everyone seems pleased. Everyone is paying attention. They like what they hear. They're applauding. It's all fine and dandy. But when the band comes out, shit hits the fan. Um Yeah, he starts, he chunks out the first few chords by himself on his little guitar, and then the band just blasts in. Um, Yeah. This is, this bootleg series says it's recorded at the Royal Albert
2: Hall, right? Right.
0: But that is incorrect. Yes. (laughs) Um, This is at, what is it? It's like the Free Trade Uh, Hall or some shit? It's the Manchester Free Trade Hall. Manchester. Yeah, Please. Yeah, I was just chiming yeah. in. Yeah. Oh, Sorry. thank you. Um, yeah, so all of these halls, all of these places that these venues that he was playing at, they were
2: for acoustic sets. They were for like, uh, yes they weren't or set no. up for a band. Yeah, yes and no. I mean, for the most part, venues at this time, um, they were aimed more towards smaller, um, smaller bands or, or individual artists, things like that. Um, And basically what happened would be uh, Bob would show up with his band. A lot of these places um, either didn't have enough places to have everybody plug in or they they were too loud. Like the speakers were not capable of handling the band going through them. So
0: this band essentially sort of started the trend of like bringing your own equipment, bringing your own shit.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, they started hauling around their own. PA system and their own like huge guitar speakers and all that kind of stuff uh which was a little like a few years before that became a common practice wow
0: i can't imagine being in that audience and just like you know listening to him play his guitar and playing his little harmonica and then good lord just being blasted in the ears by <laughs> A a fucking rock band essentially. By harmonica mostly. You know, well, the first half, yes. <laughs> Your ears will bleed if you are not a fan of the harmonica. <laughs> yeah. Um so
2: first track, Tell Me Mama. Tell Me Mama. They play Tell Me Mama. Thoughts on anybody? Anything?
0: Melissa, you were saying earlier, and I have to agree <laughs> with you. <laughs> Um, that, uh, there was a wall between you and Bob Dylan singing to you. Like you just,
3: I just, I've never had, it's like, it didn't bother me, but I also didn't connect with it. Like I've never had less of an opinion on something. Like I was thinking about what I'm going to say and I was trying to like delve into it and trying to really listen hard. And I just couldn't, I just kept going. I mean, it's fine.
2: This is this is especially <laughs> tough. Yeah. Uh, the songs in this time frame that he was writing were like all the surreal stuff. Like,
3: well, and it wasn't even that I didn't understand. I understand this better than Pet Sounds. Um, <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay. Continue.
3: But it was it, the the songs that I did like, or that I did was like, okay, this is kind of a groove. Yeah, I was like, I would love this uh, about seventy five percent better if somebody else were singing it. Like, oh, I see. And it, that that just gives to his writing, I guess. Like it, yeah. Like it was like I love ever, all of this. I just didn't want to hear you singing yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, like the songwriter. And then, the I think and,
2: this song, especially "Tell Me, Mama," I think this one really is more so just kind of like a jam track for the band mm-hmm. than anything. Cause the band I think sounds fantastic.
3: That's what I mean. They're like none of out. it bothered me. I just right. didn't really care about it. Yeah. Either. And this
2: part, t- <laughs> like, and there's, there's a few songs in this set that I feel like the lyrics are not the important part of the song. And this, it's funny, this one in particular, um, I've heard like four different versions of the lyrics for this song. I, I'm fairly certain he forgets what they are and just comes up with whatever. St- and I'm, I'm like, I'm joking, but like, I think that genuinely is a thing that he has Probably. done and continues to do to this day. I mean, His
3: shit, he can do what he wants.
0: Right <laughs> before this was what Desolation Row.
2: Yeah, Desola- Well, Desolation Row was, and he, I don't think he does the whole. Recorded version of the song either because there's twelve verses. You mean yeah? There's twelve, twelve verses verses in the original Desolation Row. It's one guy. Yeah, and the only thing that repeats is the words Desolation Row at the end of every verse. Everything uh, every every verse is completely different lyrics. They just follow the same rhythm.
1: Folk writer.
2: Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. (laughs) Um,
1: Which is a main talking point. It's a big talking (laughs) point. He's a folk writer.
0: Yes,
2: he is. he's and a poet, he and
1: I argue he's—I think he still sticks with that. It's a—it's yeah. v- mm-hmm. definitely folk writing. He
2: talks yes. about how um, when people ask him about his writing and like how he takes all these different characters from different things and all this nonsense, it's—it's—it's it's, it's folk writing. He says it every time. Mm-hmm. Like it, that's what he grew up really learning how to write songs from, and it just it permeates everything that he does like he creates all these characters and stories and it's it, that's what they do in folk music
1: i think whenever like listening to this album i think like i was like there was an uproar over this transition yeah but like his writing stayed so similar the sound was a little bit different but not even that
3: much like Just, uh, it's like it's plugged into and an amp
1: and it's it still really
3: very. Didn't even sound like a different it's still band. very. Like I, I was. Funny. I was like, "Oh, this is Bob Dylan. This is
2: fine." <laughs> right, it's the like, Bob Dylan. We it was. Know I that. wasn't
3: like, "Oh, wow, this is Bob Dylan." I was like, "Yeah, this is well, Bob that's, Dylan." It's
2: the thing. He didn't. He didn't have a band up to this point. Like he was famous for playing by himself. And honestly, I think he shines more when he has other people playing mm-hmm. behind him because he himself, he's a, like very average guitar player. Not a fantastic singer, but he has always performed with people who are just, like, world-class musicians. Speaking of transition of sound, I think we should transition
0: into the next track. Yeah. Um, so he finishes Tell Me Mama, and the audience is kind of like, um, all right, uh, what was that? Um, and he introduces the next song that they're about to play. Which is I don't believe you, and it has a parenthetical that I have no. She acts like we never have met. Thank you, God, that is so handy <laughs> having that right there. Yeah, <laughs> so
2: that's that's the original title, and he makes this little joke. Uh,
0: yeah, we're gonna we're gonna show you guys. We're gonna do something we've never done before.
3: Um, and who knows
2: if we can actually do it but we're going to try. We're going to try. <laughs> this is going to be
3: the one episode that gets pulled. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, but it's uh, the reason I wanted to do it all is the, because all the, the shit we've talked and this is
3: <laughs> this is the one we that'll We everything we have copyrighted <laughs> we the hell out of everything.
2: Well, shit on people by far more talented than any of us.
3: <laughs> Love y'all.
2: Um
0: uh what am I trying to say? The uh, it, what, if you search it on Spotify and you find the album on Spotify, you hear the first half of the show like kind of seamlessly. It just kind of goes in from one to the other because it's fine or whatever. When it gets into the band stuff, at the end of every song, it smash cuts into the next song. Um, so you get you don't get all of the the ambiance, the noise, the what's happening in between the songs. and that's where uh, if you're anything like me, where the meat and
2: potatoes are, that's what I want to hear. At least for a live show anyway. Yes. Um, okay. So, so here's this little bit it's probably going to be a little bit too far ahead of where it is but he has this comment to say after uh, he starts introing um, she acts like we never have met yeah
1: like that.
0: And now it goes like this. There's some laughter. You hear some people, they're like, those are the <laughs> ones that get it. They, they, they know what's going on. Right? Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, so there's like half the crowd that's like hip on the new Bob Dylan and half the crowd that
0: hates it. It's like, what the fuck? Um, so I was reading uh, you, you have like a gem. You have a treasure trove in owning this uh, <laughs> yes, like yeah. box set, this bootleg series. Um, and there's a little booklet that I was reading. He was talking about. There's a section that talks about the Newport Folk Festival. Yep. Which is a. Well, I suppose you could probably explain it better than I could.
2: Yeah, it's another kind of like similar situation to this rec- recording. Um, he goes to Newport Newport Film uh, Folk New Festival. <laughs> Newport. Um, I'm sorry. Newport <laughs> Film Festival. <laughs> and. Um, they they brought their own equipment to this show and they were just horrendously loud and you know it's a folk festival everybody there is playing acoustically, um, <laughs> and yeah yeah and everybody just gets like really pissed off like it's it, that's as simple as that show is yeah they that play, was kind of the beginning of the whole like yes yeah
0: they played three songs Maggie's Farm like a Rolling Stone and it takes a lot to laugh it takes a train to cry uh, yeah. The Phantom right. Engineer, whichever one came first. Um, but throughout yep. the set, people are shouting like, "I, I can't hear the vocals." Turn yep. down the piano. Whatever. Yep. They're just they're they're complaining about the sound, and like the guy running the show is like trying frantically to cut the cables and shut it all down. Um, but they play their three songs and then they leave, <laughs> um, and everyone is pissed off because yep. they came to hear <laughs> Bob Dylan play, and what the fuck was that? Um, so Peter of Peter Paul and Mary. Uh, Goes, uh, you got to go back out there, and he yeah. says, well, "That's that's it. That's all we've got." And He said, "Well, people came to see you, so go out there alone." Um, and so he did,
2: and he played his little acoustic set, and he played breakup songs. Yeah, <laughs> he played the songs. He went out there. He played breakup songs, and that's that's a large portion of this electric record too. Our breakup songs, because he's breaking up with his audience. That's <laughs> terrible. <hysterical.
1: laughs> I, I guess something that I think is interesting and that I find that I, the aspect I want to talk to about is like folk was kind of on the decline when he did this. It yeah. was not, it wasn't the thing anymore. It was quickly not the thing anymore.
2: He, he revitalized it. Like, he
1: did, but it was this. like, at, like oh man. everything else was starting to transition into like slightly different things. Yeah. It was just like a smart career move. Like everyone like made such a fuss about it, but like where else was he going to go? Just keep being a folk artist?
2: I think, I can't remember if I was talking to Shelby or Brandon about this earlier, but Bob Dylan grew up playing rock and roll. Like when he was in high school and college and all that, he played in rock and roll bands. He just kind of found this folk thing. And I think really he developed his his writing ability. I think his, his literature is really what did it um in his um autobiography chronicle he talks about how he would go to this coffee shop in new york when he first moved there and he would just read like lord byron and like like classic classic literature um but yeah he just started doing the folk thing and that's like to me he wasn't changing his sound he was returning to form he was taking everything he learned from writing folk music from playing folk music and applying it to (laughs) rock and roll and he created folk rock as a genre. Like this, this set that they were playing, is what inspired the Beatles to do Rubber Soul. It inspired um, um, all the like folk rock people started including bands as part of their thing. He just revolutionized it.
1: Folk punk. <laughs>
2: Bob Dylan's a song, bitch. It's like I was, I think I was saying this to you. Like the Beatles were still huge. You know, they were the the big artists at the time, but Bob Dylan was the cutting edge. He was the one that everybody was like trying to catch up with, basically.
0: I remember reading a thing. I can't remember what song he was talking about. I think it was like a Rolling Stone, but he was saying that. uh, Sorry, everybody. (laughs) I just can't. It's now second name. Because we
3: talked about it. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Sorry about the tongue pops. Um, he was saying that uh, he was trying everything he could, but it, it doesn't sound right without yeah. a band. Like, he tried it on piano, he tried it with an organ, he tried several ways, but it, it only sounds right with a band. Yeah. So, fuck those guys for being so
2: mad. Well, and that's uh, that's why I like this joke at the beginning of um, She Acts Like We Never Have Met. Um, because it's it's a jab directly at the people, the folk purists, like, It used to go that way. Now it sounds like this.
1: For you old heads that can't keep up.
2: Yeah. Uh,
0: Yeah.
1: Things are a little different. Hope you like the place.
2: So, and I'll say like, so when I first listened to this, these first two songs, nothing really happens, right? Yeah. So when I heard the next little bit that um, I'm going to play here, I genuinely thought that they were just getting rowdy, like a crowd gets rowdy, you know. Like they were pumped. Yeah, that they were pumped. I didn't realize they were pumped they in the wrong They were, yeah. yeah. So this is the first sign of trouble that happens in this album or during the performance. There's um,
3: trouble, right here, city.
2: <laughs> Your musical theater
0: kay. references will not go unnoticed.
3: I this is why we're friends. They
2: might go unknown, but they will not go unnoticed. No. Like, can you name that musical, Colton? No, of course I well, can't name that. <laughs> you ask me this all the time, and I get it right out of like one of her 50 That one's questions.
3: an easy one. That one's a, like... I didn't even
2: really hear it, to be honest.
3: Oh. Just travel right here in River City?
2: No. It's a music man. Anyway. <laughs> the only music man I saw was at Salina South. I never saw, like, a good... Sorry guys <laughs> <laughs> Oof. Anyway, so this is at the end of "I don't Believe You)
0: <laughs> it is cold <laughs> But they're but
3: they're no, to that sounds up. like upset white people. Right? Yeah, they are yeah. trying to. Fuck y'all them clap up. a certain way. No offense. Y'all <laughs> clap a certain way when y'all are mad. Y'all do. Oh it's God. like it's like this beat where it's like a chanting like right? marching yeah. Yeah. beat. Yeah. That's
2: the that's the thing. They're clapping in beat to knock him off rhythm. I'm telling you. Yeah. Y'all clap a certain you, way. You can't. It's harder to hear through this. <laughs> but an He he starts playing. And the band can't really hear him, so he starts stomping his foot mm. to get time for them. Yeah, mm. um, but yeah. So the the next song, "Baby Let Me Follow You Down," is a like acoustic Bob Dylan classic, right? People love this song, so hearing him start playing it with a band behind him, they got pissed, and you, that's why he starts playing. They recognize it, and that's when the clapping starts, mm. right? Yeah, that eye roll. <laughs> so mad. And this is
0: not an isolated incident. Throughout no. Throughout this year-long tour, yeah. the only places he did not get booed were... I have them... Hold on, wait a minute. <laughs> Minneapolis, <laughs> Ohio, Boston, Atlanta, and Texas, of all places. Texas?
2: Uh, <laughs> Texas. Hey, I'm sure they like their rock and roll down there.
0: <laughs> uh, you know what?
2: Respect.
0: <laughs> but everywhere else, he... Uh, he got booed. Booed off the stage. A drummer quit because yep. like, they knew that they were playing good shit and the audience wasn't having it. And so he's like, you know what? Not worth it.
2: Ditched. Yeah, they they went through a few people on this tour because they got tired of playing to pissed off crowds and like them getting shit on for playing really well. Like, yeah.
0: I'd like to give a rundown of the schedule. Um, so they play their concert at uh, the Newport Folk Festival. They play their three songs with the band in July of 65. Four days later, they're at Columbia Records in New York to lay down some tracks. And they do that for a few weeks. And then they're off playing a gig in Forest Hills, August 28th, 65. And then they're back in the studio working on songs for, oh, no, no, I'm sorry, Um, Highway 61 Revisited is released. Mm. Um, At the end of September, the tour begins in Austin. Um he goes back into the studio in October. He plays at Carnegie Hall um, and does some recording. Um, he's back in Minneapolis in November. Uh, and throughout November, he goes to uh Buffalo, Cleveland, Toronto, Chicago, Washington. <laughs> they have a month off for Christmas. Uh late January, they start recording again. Um back on the road, he goes to Canada, he goes to Philly, and he goes to Miami. And this puts us in March of 66. Uh, he takes a little break from touring to record in Nashville for one week, and then he's back on the road, goes to Vancouver, um, goes to Hawaii in April, goes to Australia, um, ends up in Stockholm on April 29th. On May 5th, he's in Dublin, and he starts playing this European tour. So this is at the end of their tour. This is uh, May 17th in Manchester. This is like one of the last concerts they played. And this whole time, they're getting reactions like that.
2: For nearly a year,
0: a year, whilst Bob's Di- Bob's Dylan, <laughs> while sorry. he's uh, while he's recording um, uh, some seminal tracks, um, I think what was the other one? He was working on Blonde on Blonde. Is that what it is? Yeah.
2: So this this is like uh, the three defining like rock albums for Bob Dylan. Uh, Bringing it all back home is the record that has um, uh, Mr. Tambourine Man on it. Mm. Uh, n- highway 61 revisited has like a rolling stone okay uh and um blonde on blonde is a, a double disc album um, a chock full of songs yeah and that's uh there's a few signature bob dylan songs on on each of those but just kind of the most famous ones you know um and then in july of this year he gets wrecked yeah on his motorcycle yeah what? He
1: was a man of conviction for like what he was gunning for.
2: Yeah,
1: that's a long time. That is a rough shot run.
2: Yeah, that um, was
1: how long?
2: Almost a, a year, year. A, from that's from.
0: From
1: July. Of a year and very m- busy with very few breaks.
0: No breaks. That's, like
2: yeah, breaks. that's Bob Dylan's. He almost <sighs> he doesn't tour as much as he used to, but like. That's Bob Dylan. He tour, He plays like 75, 80 shows or more mm-hmm.
3: a year. Um, People used to work to get their <laughs> music out there, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. So they didn't have the Spotify.
0: You have no excuse. And the
3: Apple Music.
0: Bob Dylan fought an uphill
3: battle. And the title, Beyonce. Mm, mm, mm.
0: I'm
3: sorry. Okay. So, like,
2: okay. What did you just say? We uh, we were uh, right at the beginning of Baby Let Me Follow You Down. Okay.
3: Mm, don't you be following me nowhere. Oh. <laughs> so they
0: play this song, and the crowd is still shouting things, mm-hmm. being sort of unruly, but nothing like of note. Right, right. They're just doing things. Um, the next is what's it called? Just like Tom thumb. Thumb's Blues. Yeah, the titles are so long. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Listen, ah! do you oh. not remember the days of Fallout Boy and Panic at the Disco? Yeah, I wasn't on that train.
3: Yes, yes. <laughs>
2: Where do you yes. think they got it from?
3: And I don't know any of the whole names of those songs either. <laughs> Let's be real fucking honest. Okay, none of us do. Okay.
2: Well, anyway.
3: Uh, what do we have to say about
2: this? This came off of which record? Uh, Highway 61. So just
0: released.
2: Yeah, just released. Um, and um, this particular song, it, it's my favorite one on this album, um, mostly because I had heard Highway 61 first, mm-hmm. and then I heard this, and the version on, on the album is so much more laid back than this. Um, it's at a a little faster tempo, but like it's more based around piano oh. and kind of like a backbeat on the drums, whereas this is just you know like rock and roll, yeah. right? Um. But I th- personally, my favorite line, and I always think of this song because it just comes up for me all the time. But uh, he says, "Up on Project Housing, uh, sorry, up on Housing Project Hill, it's either fortune or fame. You must choose one or the other. Neither of them are to be what they claim." Mm. It's just a really thoughtful line. I really that one always sticks with me.
0: As far as like uh, like music is concerned, Bob Dylan. Is I can appreciate him always trying to reinvent not only himself but his songs. Yeah, yeah. Because every recording is different. Yeah, and even today there are still like things being released that are wildly different from what they are before.
2: Yeah, I think I told you the other day, uh, like a Rolling Stone was originally in three four. Oh yeah, it was in waltz time, which there's a recording of it in one of his his boot cuts or bootlegs whatever his bootcut series um uh, it's weird it's it's like yeah that's the song but that's not the song
0: (laughs) that's wild yeah
2: anyway um and then uh as far as uh leopard skin pillbox hat goes that's from blonde on blonde which has not come out yet at this point um so this is like he was
0: recording with within yes
2: yes yes that so he uh this is kind of like the debut of this song and this i don't even think this set list is necessarily the same set list that they played at every gig sure um so this could i don't know how long he's had this in in this particular set um Mm -hmm. but that song just always makes me laugh because it's he says it's about fashion um but it definitely sounds like you're singing about pussy. <laughs> what a poet! Honey, can I jump on it sometime? Well, mm. I
1: mean, I think it. I mean, it is a little bit about.
2: Yeah, it is a little bit about. A little bit. <laughs> a lot of it. A lot of it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I like that song. Saw
2: you making love with him. You forgot to close the garage door. <laughs> Oops! Someone's an exhibitionist. And also like.
1: <laughs> this is one of the funner sounding yeah. almost songs on the recordings. Like. I really like Tell Me Mama because it they open with a good sound. Like, yeah. there's a certain energy to it, even though it's apprehensive. And, like, it sounds like they're reaching the point in the concert where they're like, of course, you know, this is how it goes every night. It's a little bit funner. Maybe they're having fun with the song itself. I don't know. But I like the song. I thought it was nice.
0: So the, the crowd is, you know, I think before that song, Pillbox Hat, Leopard.
3: What is it? leopard, leopard skin, skin
0: pillbox hat. Thank you. <laughs> you can hear someone shouting, like Bob or something.
2: Yeah. <laughs> someone goes like, <laughs>
3: Bob.
0: <laughs> Very upset. How
3: dare you do um, this to us? But still,
0: nothing really notable.
3: You're hurting um, my feelings. Um, I need
2: to. We might have
3: to. Cut we this believed part. in
1: you, Bob.
2: Because <laughs> I think there's a short. How
1: bit. could you betray <laughs> us like
3: this? We had faith in you, Bob.
2: I think this is a short bit before um one too many mornings no 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 before uh leopard skin pillbox hat where they kind of uh, so this is the other thing about this recording they so most of it was because they were protesting bob dylan other people were shouting because it was really loud Uh, and they're trying to like get someone's attention like it's really fucking loud (laughs) right Anyway, so there's this this is right after just like Tom Thumb's blues. And it's just kind of a little bit more like general protesting.
0: Strong pain stuff.
2: Yeah, that takes a second. So someone says something that's like true.
0: Go again. The white people clapping. The white people clap.
3: They're clapping.
2: They are so mad. Yeah, and there's people booing and stuff you can hear in the background.
0: It's just crazy how like every venue they split the audience down in the middle. Like some people are really for it and some people are not. <laughs> Actually, love how he introduces the next song. Were
2: you going to say something? I'm <laughs> no, sorry. No, yeah, I wasn't because I think I know what song you're talking
0: about. I, it's one too many mornings. Yeah. Um, I I just love this response because <laughs> I mean, uh, Bob Dylan is like unfazed. Still, it seems.
2: Um, so this, this has been happening the whole time. Yeah. So this is um, this is uh, one too many mornings is another uh, famous Bob Dylan uh, hit. From what his folk times, right? So people hear him start playing this and it really gets ugly. Ugly. And and Bob Dylan's just a little shit. <laughs> oh, I love it. Inspired. fire. <sighs> More tuning and stuff. A lot of tuning in this stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's crazy because we I assume that's Yeah
3: Guys it sounds like a Trump rally
2: Oh (laughs) Oh this (laughs) If it only just wouldn't clap so hard. Oh, man. What a shot. Kills me. Kills me. Kills me. Oh, that's fantastic. I think there's. Oh, this is just to the beginning of the next one. Okay. Yeah.
0: That's fantastic.
2: Yeah, he really starts getting snarky in the second half. <laughs>
0: so good. So good.
2: He just speaks nonsense until they shut the fuck up.
0: Yeah,
1: it's so perfectly timed.
2: Yes. <laughs> he stops yes. at
1: just the right moment. Yeah. Like yeah. as you soon you as they're quiet, sound. and they're like, "Oh what, shit, we should listen." What a
2: shitty little remark! To, if only you just wouldn't clap so hard. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you found one too from a different recording of this.
0: Yeah, the real Royal Albert <laughs> Hall. Yeah, which is the same tour, um, but in London. What, what are
2: you referring to? I'm sorry. You, you, you said there was one who was like, why don't you come
0: up here? and? Oh, yeah. I don't know what somebody says in the audience. And he's just like,
2: oh, why don't you come up here and say that?
0: <laughs> and then introduces the next song. So great.
2: Yeah, and I just, like, for me, when I first heard this, I, like, knew Bob Dylan was an asshole. <laughs> there was no question. But I just didn't understand the, like, this dude was a punk. He was a punk. How old was
0: he at this point?
2: Mid-20s. He must have been 24, 25.
0: Just the right time to be an asshole. Mm-hmm. Perfect.
2: <laughs> and there's the documentary that goes with this tour, yeah. uh, um, Don't Look Back. Um, they have a couple instances of him like blowing up on people. Um, so this is uh, kind of an infamous interview with a Times Magazine interviewer mm. where he keeps asking these questions uh, that are kind of suggesting, you know, Bob's not a good singer, which, you know, whatever your opinion might be, not the most professional thing to talk to someone about when you're trying to interview them. And Bob just lights into this dude and, like, basically uh, clarifies that he, as an interviewer, has no importance as a human being. Um, and he... uh <laughs> He says something along the lines of, like, they bring up a singer from the time, David Caruso. Um, and he goes, I sing all the same notes that he sings. <laughs> he... I guess it does. Yeah. Uh, who knows if they're in the right order or correct. Um, <laughs> then um, he, there's uh, an incident outside their hotel. They're saying where someone has like, shattered bottles in the street or something. And someone has blamed Bob Dylan and his party for doing this. And Bob Dylan is not happy about it. He, there's, so there's cops outside there. He like almost gets into a fist fight with the dude, uh, accusing him of breaking bottles. And he's like screaming. At this person in this like super nice hotel, of course, <laughs> outside of the U.S. This is in, in Europe. Um, and there's also there's one more scene where he they're at a, a, having like a party in their room uh, after a show. And everyone's like hanging out, having a good time. And he picks up a guitar and he starts playing um, uh, It's All Over Now, Baby Blue, which is not mm. a happy, fun song. <laughs> And everybody's just there. The whole mood drops. Like he ruins this party. He has like a shit eating grin on his face. <laughs> oh, he's killing the vibe.
0: Love it. Uh, this
2: after this, um,
0: there are two songs left. He plays "Ballad of a Thin Man" next. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really just kind of wanted to lay into how this whole thing was recorded. Oh, how this whole thing was recorded. Um, yeah, because there were, like, three or four machines at this particular venue. Yeah,
2: yeah. So um, pretty much all this bootleg series stuff is just, like, recorded somehow. Usually it's from the venue itself. Sometimes they'll take a source from, like, someone who happened to be in the crowd if if it's, like, a good quality recording. Um, but, like, these recordings are all cobbled together from different performances. So, like... Ballad of a Thin Man is actually from a different performance. Um, and a part of what changes too is that he, he's playing piano in this song. Uh, so he switches to a different vocal mic too. Mm-hmm. So it, it, that's also why it sounds a little different.
0: And this volume of the Bootleg series, um, what is it? Visions of Joanna oh, Yeah, Desolation Row. Um, uh, the, the from the acoustic s- half? Yes. Um, in the house, the reel runs out like they run out of tape and so like you can hear the difference in quality when they like kind of mash them together jump over yeah, yeah. it's interesting
2: you seem like you might have something to say Jim. well
1: I was just giggling because when reading about that like the idea of a bootleg I was like how does that work like mainly because <laughs> it's 1966 like what right. kind of easy recording equipment does the average <laughs> schmuck have to <laughs> sneak right. into not a not concert much, venue and try to record too. Bob Dylan like I'm sorry but you'd have to be like I'm you have to have something huge obviously attached to you yeah people did it i'm sure but that's <laughs> god what about. a commitment well and
2: it's kind of funny i i've equated this to so um right after this tour we kind of mentioned this earlier he's riding his motorcycle the front uh, wheel explodes and catches on fire and he gets thrown over the handlebars and it's he a breaks bonkers his neck.
1: sounding yeah
2: yeah and he disappears
1: kind of horrific motorcycle accident yeah
2: he disappears for months after that and people think he died uh and then he shows up <laughs> yeah it's crazy no. that
1: people think he died like he got <laughs> thrown over the handles and rolled into the ditch and we haven't seen him since oh. he's oh. Dead. He dead
2: but he um he, uh, nobody really knows exactly <laughs> what happened because I don't know that they, if they took him to a hospital, they kept it super under wraps. Yeah. Um, but, um, so, uh, the first thing that you hear from Bob Dylan after this, and it, uh, were all of these bootleg recordings that people weren't sure none of them were titled Bob Dylan, oh, right? They were all like random things, right? And people like it, like obviously you could probably tell it was Bob Dylan, but he sounds completely different. Like he doesn't sound like his voice is familiar, but he doesn't sing in the same way anymore. His the lyricism is totally different. The music of the band is totally different. He basically comes back and helps uh, invent um, alternative country music with the band, um, and which is their record music from Big Pink, which is like their first big record that was um, done in this same time frame. Uh, and this is the basement tapes is what I'm referring to. But, ah. um,
0: the, Well, that's also part of the reason why in this bootleg series, this is titled the Royal Albert Hall, which yeah. is actually at the at a free trade hall in Manchester. Right? Yeah,
2: right. Um, Cause but I, I bring all that up because I kind of equate this bootleg thing to like <laughs> rappers sending their mixtape around to people like okay. it, it was it was this thing like everybody had bootlegs at this point but everyone thought Bob Dylan was dead
1: I'm thinking of all of the like the the bootleg stuff in the Soviet where they'd be like we're sneaking in American mm-hmm. music <laughs> <laughs> you have
3: dollars
0: for yeah, me? So you like, like Bob Dylan I, like was,
1: <laughs>
0: I, I have Bob Dylan for uh, you I have
3: Bob Dylan for you <laughs> Pockets of Babylon and 12 of the Beatles. I um
2: <laughs> I feel like it was a, a calculated effort on his part doing these bootlegs because I I think that was him kind of like trying to be hip and cool, you know. <laughs> I could be complete this is all conjecture, but this is kind of my thought on him doing all these bootlegs. Well, he
0: plays Ballad of a Thin Man and th- this kind of like I guess, climax of it all. Yeah. Someone in the audience um, calls him a name, calls him Judas. Um, uh, we're about to hear it in a moment.
2: I got to find the right spot here.
0: But someone says Judas, and then I think there's some other like hubbub, people are saying other things. Um, and he's Bob Dylan says to them, I don't believe you. You're a liar. <laughs> and then he whips around and tells the band, play fucking loud. Um, and then they go into Like a Rolling Stone.
2: It was in regards to, um, they said, I'm never going to buy one of your records again. Ah. Oh. <laughs> and he said, I don't believe you.
1: <laughs> How cocky. Yeah, Listen, oh yeah. here's the thing. These people could have by now just walked out. And they Clearly, didn't. they're willing to stick around for a Bob Dylan concert, yeah, even right. if they hate it. Right. They haven't left the building. They're quiet enough while he plays
3: his songs.
0: They could they could argue that okay. they paid the ticket they deserve. They paid four dollars and fifty cents.
3: How many concerts we would we go to if tickets were four dollars and fifty cents? For the good seats. God dang it! I would go. Sorry, I girl. would. Go. I might be a people person. I... What? I'd risk my social Are anxiety for that you concerts were four bucks? <laughs>
2: This is not cooperating with me. You bitch. All right, here's here's the end of it. Into an eight and a half minute version of like a Rolling Stone.
0: And <laughs> I have got to tell you, this listening to this recording made me like the song because he is just wailing.
3: Yeah, it's not bad. It's not this one. yeah, this one's good.
2: It's I, very punk I, it, rock. This song is all about In my anger opinion. It's all about anger and he's angry. He's, <laughs> he's mad. <laughs> it, it got lined up for him.
1: Well, Hi it's also it's, <laughs> it's so perfectly like set up. It's a such a setup too, though, yeah. because yeah. like that's his big hit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's that's the one that like, you guys aren't hip to it, but the rest of the world gives a shit about
2: this, mm-hmm. right? That I I use this quote all the time from Bruce Springsteen that the the snare at the beginning of Like a Rolling Stone is the sound of his the mind being kicked open by Bob Dylan, mm-hmm. right? I've like I this is one of my all time favorite Bob Dylan songs, and like the sneer that he has in this, yeah. like there. <laughs> There is never a time that his nasally voice has ever worked more than when he goes, "Ain't it hard when you discover that?"
1: (laughs) Well, that's the thing. He like, I don't. I need to delve more into Bob Dylan because I didn't think I was that into him. But that's something he has kind of consistently through like a lot of his writing. Mm -hmm. I noticed listening to this is like, he has a bit of a contempt.
2: Yes, Yes. for a bit
1: (laughs) certain groups of people, posers. Some of them people that. Apparently valued his work at one point in time. He is not afraid to spit in their face with it, Yep.
2: Mm-mm. which
1: I have, you know, a degree of respect for. He that's some balls. I,
2: one of my favorite What's things that, that mm-hmm. I own, and I don't think I have it here in Kansas City. But um, there's an interview that had, or a Rolling Stone magazine that has like 40 or 50 years worth of Bob Dylan interviews in it. Oh, wow. It's it's only like seven or eight actual interviews that yeah. they picked, but. Uh, almost every single interview they talk to him about, you know, like what keeps him going, all this stuff, and he's it, every time says, you have to be true to yourself. You have to follow what you want to do. Mm. Be
0: authentic. Yeah,
2: at, at the end of the day, you're the one that has to live with the choices that you made, Yeah, you know? Yeah. Uh, that's, that's my core reason for loving Bob Dylan so much is that he has always done his own thing. like you hear it in his music, like he doesn't follow trends, he doesn't keep up with what's popular. He just writes good songs, and that's why so many people cover them, and they sound better sometimes mm-hmm. when when people cover them because mm-hmm. it's they're just so timeless, they're just great fucking songs, you yeah. know yeah, I could only aspire to be that kind of a songwriter, you know. I can only aspire to be that
0: sassy. (laughs) I mean, I've yelled at somebody in the audience. I got in that bitch's face,
2: but well, this this is another one. Kind of like, (laughs) I I find it funny that you guys. I've I feel like I've consistently failed with like showing you an album and then having you like it. We hate them. But no, like this is another one. I've shown this to people who kind of have this one image of Bob Dylan as like you know the Mister Tambourine man, Man guy, right? I think this concert, he sounds more alive than any other like studio album that he has. Like, And I don't know if it's because he's angry or, or what the deal is, but there's just an energy to his performance that you don't really get in the studio. And also, just the, the band playing with him, it's so much more lively than the studio stuff.
1: Yeah, I just want to know. Is he really that angry at this point in the tour after encountering this night after night, or has it just become part of the routine? No,
2: he's still angry. He he, They talk about... He
1: handles it so well that it's almost like a shtick for him, you know?
2: Yeah. These last few weeks of the tour, they talk about how he just looks drained, and like he looks like a skeleton. Oh, I guess
1: I did read that. He's also doing... um, Variety of amphetamines, I believe. Yes, he was.
2: He, he also. This is
1: probably um, wears you out.
2: He did so right before really bringing it all back home. He did uh, the Free Wheel and Bob Dylan, which is another signature Bob Dylan album, in 1964. And the girl on the cover of that album, he was dating at the time. They broke up, and it was nasty breakup. Um, there's like a possibility that there was like some physical violence between him and the mother of this girl. But it's kind of like unconfirmed type of thing. Mm. Um, But uh, he started taking acid after this, and I think that's how you can really tell with his his songwriting because this is when he starts the surreal phase of Mm. like stuff that's not always cohesive from beginning to end.
3: Seems to be a when are we gonna do acid? I'm
1: ready. I'm I'm ready, (laughs) Jeannie. I'm ready.
2: And now we're gonna go do acid. Thank you for listening.
1: I'm excited to see what comes out of that, apparently.
2: Well, no, and I, I say, like, uh, I've, I feel like I've had this conversation with a few people in the last few days, but... Uh, so Psychedelia is happening while, when this concert happens, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. The Beatles... uh, I, Sgt. So Peppers done was rubbers. coming out. It comes out the next year, right?
1: Okay, okay. So,
2: but, like, Psychedelia is in full swing, um, or at least starting to get there, and... This to me is like Bob Dylan's version of psychedelic music. Like it's not a whole bunch of like you know tape loop samples and uh, you know studio work, but it is these real like swirling piano sounds and like mm. you kind of the 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 lyricism especially is what lends itself to uh, psychedelic stuff. I think.
1: Yeah, the early early psychedelic stuff in the sixties has that weird still kind of bright sixties yeah, sound to yeah, it. Yeah. 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 Early Pink Floyd.
2: Yeah. And I think the the organ, especially in this in this live show, is like kind of him, at least trying to embrace what's happening <laughs> in the world, you know. But so they wrap up
0: after eight minutes, like a Rolling Stone. Bob Dylan says, Thank you, leaves. The audience is like a little perplexed. The lights come up and that's that's it. You just
2: shuffle. You stay
1: for the whole concert. You stay,
0: bitch. You got your money's worth. Bye.
2: Yeah, it's like forty five minutes. Thank is th- <laughs> this whole concert, which is crazy for someone of his caliber. At like this is the prime of Bob Dylan. You know, <laughs> forty five minutes said I would be pissed. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's a real shame that
0: uh, Spotify doesn't have I'm calling you out. Um doesn't have those little cuts in between the songs. Yeah, that's because that's it's like it is a whole journey, and like I think actually it paints the songs like how they're playing differently.
2: Yes, absolutely. And I I was upset when I found out that they they got cut on Spotify. Um, because that's really it's that in between him and the audience is what makes this a really memorable recording. Like yeah. this this is like to me a piece of rock and roll history because you know I I would have never as someone who was like a, a burgeoning Bob Dylan fan I would have never expected to hear a recording of him actively fighting against the audience that he's performing for I yeah. haven't really heard anything like this to be honest like I know that there's some other recordings out there that have kind of this back and forth between the audience but this just kind of blew my mind I actually love
0: this little booklet how it
2: compares it to
0: um, the um, right. Uh, the Rite of Spring. Um, Isadora Duncan was a, a, a dancer back in the day, um, and all these performances like caused a stir in the audience, like riots, people w- walking out. Um, what is it? Playboy of the, the Western World, whatever playwright wrote that. Um, a lot of people were offended by it, and th- that caused a riot. Hair caused a riot, but this is like uh, an actual thing that's like down for posterity. Like, yeah. You have recordings riot, of it, and yeah. this is just yeah, one
2: one instance of it. Yeah, there's a whole year of him doing this. It's amazing. I could, I don't know how he did it. To be honest, I don't know how he didn't quit. Other than be maybe a legal obligation or something. Truly amazing. Uh, amazing. <laughs> or he just wanted the money.
3: <laughs> Anger can fuel you. Yeah. Or there was a point where he said, "You know what? Fuck you twice. I'm finishing." Oh yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and that's 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 the thing. I think everybody who did like the new stuff was super into it, and mm-hmm. like, yeah. I mean, this re- really is some of the most progressive stuff that he's made in his career. So, I don't know, Mm-mm-mm. all these folk fogies.
0: <laughs> well, you guys, we did it. We went through seven albums. Crazy, and we didn't learn shit. No, um, <laughs> there. Are, I feel like there's a lot of information overload in my brain um, right now. Um, but you guys think we'll be back for another season? Think we'll be back for a second round of this shit?
3: I hope so.
2: I hope so too. I yeah. hope y'all come back. I mean, I don't you'll think. be back. <laughs> we will be back.
3: I got shit else to do,
2: and okay. you will listen.
0: <laughs> you will listen. Thank you, the three of you out there. um <laughs>
2: This goes out to you, Tom, Page and Judy. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: well, I guess I could plug. Um, we just got a, an email account. Um, it is get, the letter N, the number two, thegroove at gmail.com. And if you are listening thoroughly and we missed something, um, <gasps> shoot us an email.
1: Uh, yeah. Educate me.
0: Educate us. We we love it. Or if you're like, bitch, you need to talk about this album, tell us that too. Um we also have our very own Instagram account, and it is the same thing. Get the letter in the number two, the groove. So find us. Um, you practiced that, didn't you?
2: No, oh, this oh. was off. The How cup. smooth! Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I'm amazing. You guys should have seen. <laughs> I wish the listeners could see your hand signals that you did mm-hmm. with the. <laughs> this is why we need a, a visual element. As <laughs> is, th- get the letter in to the groove. <laughs> uh, um
0: Yeah, that's it. Thanks for coming <laughs> on this journey with us. Bye everyone. Bye. Stay safe. I love you.
3: Bye.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah. Jeannie, I can relate. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it
2: just it's gonna sound like it's be in and out. <laughs>
3: ah.
2: <laughs> ah. <laughs> uh, anyway.